do 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 Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 453. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. We got a lot cooking on today's show. First of all, we usually record in the morning and we're recording in the afternoon. So it's kind of a different feel for me. I don't know about you, sweetie. It's a little different. It is a little different. Um, But the reason we are doing an afternoon recording is because we just interviewed one of the speakers of our 2019 Zen Parenting Conference uh, titled uh, Get Your Brave On. Correct. Miss Devorah Heitner. Dr. Devorah Heitner. Sorry, Dr. Devorah Heitner. And it's because Millie She, our good friend, wrote in a question because she's on Team Zen about technology. And she has a sixth grader and she doesn't know whether or not she should get her a phone and if so, what kind. So we did something out of the ordinary, which is we Skyped her in and we just recorded the interview about a half hour ago. And I think the question, I mean, I, she did, you know, Millie did ask what kind, but she didn't mean like Nokia or, you no, know, that it's like kind of thing. everything that goes into She meant it. like, when I get a phone, what does that mean? How do I, how do I set up this system? How do I create, how do I create a communication with my child about this? How do I monitor what she's doing? So the discussion that we had with Devora is really all encompassing, even if your child already has a phone, it, I think you might want to listen. So we're going to play that at the end of this podcast. Um, before that, I'm going to uh, do a few things, but we're also, this is heavy. I'm looking at our website right now, sweetheart. Uh-huh. This is what it says. We are married with three daughters. We teach self-awareness. We connect through pop culture. Uh-huh. We believe in humor and mindfulness, and it says some other stuff. Um, pop culture is the name of the game on today's podcast okay. because we're going to be talking about a few things you and I just watched. One is Black Klansman, mm-hmm. which is a movie directed by Spike Lee, mm-hmm. um, a documentary that we just watched last night on Stars called America to Me. And but we're going to talk about that briefly because that's, very that's briefly. an eight-part series. Very briefly. And we have only seen the first one. Very So briefly. I don't have comments about it yet. You can have comments about the first one. Well, yeah, but I'm so interested to see where they go. I have a feeling if the other seven are as good as the first one, we'll be very happy. And it's it, why it's so interesting to Todd and I is because it's uh, it was filmed at Oak Park River Forest, which is about 15 minutes from us. I Actually, that's where I, I don't teach at Oak Park River Forest, but Dominican University is in that uh, town. And a lot of our friends went to high school there. Yep. A lot of our friends have children going to high school there. So it feels very close to home. Because it is. It literally is. Um, and then you saw a movie called Eighth Grade. I did. Is it Eighth Grade or Eighth Grader? No, Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but first, I remember I've kind of lost my roots a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, back in the old days when we used to do this podcast years ago, I would like capture a bunch of one of my favorite movies and I capture a bunch of funny clips from it. Uh-huh. And I feel like I've been, become complacent in that effort. Or maybe we've naturally evolved. No, there's no evolution. Oh. So this is, uh, I'm, I want to play a few clips from this movie throughout the podcast. Oh, no. It's from a movie that we all know and love from 1970, whatever, called The Jerk. Oh. All right. So this is Are they the f- appropriate? Yes, they're all appropriate. Okay, because the jerk wasn't very PC, if no, you know what I mean. No, it certainly wasn't. Uh, but this is the first clip. Okay. What a great place. <laughs> you know, you can tell so much about a person from the way they live. Just looking around here, I can tell you're a genuinely dirty person. 
her, what's her name? I don't know. She rides the motorcycle. She sure does. Um, one more quick one, okay. okay? Damn these glasses, son. Yes, sir. I damn thee. <laughs> one more. St. Louis? No, Navin Johnson. <laughs> oh, do you want to lift to St. Louis? Oh, okay, thanks. Steve Martin contends that that's the f- funniest movie line he's ever uttered. <laughs> St. Louis, no Navin Johnson. So let's start with uh, the first uh, thing that's going to be quick. So there is a documentary, an eight-part pa- eight documentary on stars, and you can get the app on your phone or you can order it on the way you order regular channels like HBO and Showtime. And it is a, a documentary, eight-part documentary by the guy who did Hoop Drum. Hoop dreams. So he's a Chicago guy. Chicago guy. Um, And this is what it says on the website. When does racial inequality begin? To answer the question, you can go back centuries or as the empathetic eye-opening documentary series America to Me does, you can go back to school. So we just saw it uh, last night with our daughters, all three Mm -hmm. of them. And my quick one-minute little plug on this is that I think it was, at least the first episode was wonderfully done. Um, It's... uh, it talks about something really, really important, obviously, which is racial inequality. Mm-hmm. We, You and I happen to live in a suburb where there's not a whole lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. And well, it's definitely different than Oak Park. Yes. And what I learned about Oak Park, which I didn't know, I've always known it was a diverse community, um, obviously us living so close, but I, I that they actually put into place... Um, and I'm trying to, you know, the, the language that they used in the documentary and that a lot of people use is something called white flight, mm-hmm. where, you know, when if an African-American community is moving in, then there's a lot of white people who tend to leave the community. It's that there really is the language white flight. They use that in the documentary. And so in Oak Park, what happened so many years ago, I think they said 70s or 80s, is that there was a real concerted effort to say, let's have a diverse community. Yeah. And That's the only way it would have happened. Exactly. And they said a lot of the older generation moved out and a lot of the younger generation moved in and it really created Mm -hmm. the Oak Park that we see today. Now, the interesting thing is, is as Todd just said, this documentary, they chose to go to Oak Park because there's still issues regarding race. Mm -hmm. Even they give the statistics, um, you know, there definitely is, there are more white kids who go to that school. I think it was 50%... Caucasian, uh-huh. I think like 30% African-American and then the other 20 like 3% Asian, Latino and biracial. Asian. Yeah. So, but it's really, it's interesting because they're talking about the things that, that everybody is talking about now, but that Todd and I have been trying to talk about on this podcast, which is the unconscious yes. bias that we have. Like the, we, we, we have to like really stop and be like, okay, what do I think right now what is what's coming up in me what am i feeling because whatever that is is going to create how i experience what i'm experiencing and so i feel like the teachers are really forthcoming like they're basically saying a few of those teachers that we saw last night i mean god i wish i had those teachers in my some of them are really lovely really really good so my my two cents on it is that um we don't have a ton of diversity in our neighborhood or in the suburb that we chose to reside in. And there's honestly a part of me that feels almost, I don't know if the word is guilty or I... Well, that's, we almost didn't leave the city for that reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I really, I was, there was a lot of reasons we had to leave the city in a hurry, but that was one of our big discussions was how are we going to do this? So um, regardless of, you know, the intention or the impact of all that, um, I'm grateful because... 
even through this, I don't know, sheltered lens of watching a documentary, I, we're able to kind of, it's just an easy way to talk about this stuff with our three daughters. Mm-hmm. And for that, I'm just really grateful. And, you know, obviously all we're doing is watching a TV show. It's really not changing it. But I think of Brian Stevenson and Brian Stevenson says that, you know, there's people that are really challenged with racial diversity. There's no proximity. Yeah. And this is kind of one very easy way to bring some proximity close to us. Perspective taking. Perspective. Because the kids who were following Mm -hmm. in this documentary, you know, something I realized though is a lot more boys than girls. I think there's only one girl that we're following right yeah, now. I think there's three boys and one girl. Yeah, maybe even four. Yeah. Um, which I love the boys, and yeah. I'm so excited to hear their story. But, you know, it, I'm interested if maybe tomorrow night or whenever the next one airs, if there'll be more girls yeah. that we're following. But we're, we're going through the documentary through their eyes. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't have literal proximity, here's some perspective yep. that you can get. Um, and uh, it, it's I thought it was very well done so far. So look it up. Google uh, America to me or STARS, S-T-A-R-Z, I think mm-hmm. is how they pronounce it. Um, it's worth it, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, um, And then I do want to talk about our first partner of the week. It's just campaignliving.com. Sweetie, what do you think of furniture shopping? It's so fun. I think about... I'm kidding. So um, we have a partner called campaignliving.com. And uh, you want furniture, it's something that looks great and will last, but you don't want to spend five grand on a sofa. Or a Saturday afternoon. Or, yeah, either one. I heard the grill won't cost five grand on this. Five grand. You have five grand? I don't have five grand. I don't have five grand, sweetie. I don't have five grand. Do you? The grill alone. Um, But let's be real. You don't need bulky, oversized furniture that requires movers just to get it in the door, let alone up the stairs. The founder of Campaign felt exactly the same way, so he built a company made for people like us. So they make sofas, chairs, love seats, ottomans. Did I say that right? I know you get make fun of me the way I say ottoman. You said it right this time. You usually say auto man. Auto man. <laughs> like A-U-T-O instead of O-T-T-O. It's just a weird somebody somebody back in the history of time decided what are we gonna what are we gonna call this thing that we put our feet on? Are you gonna if you're gonna get started talking about words, all words are dumb. When you really break them down. All words, sweetie? What about love? Well, is love dumb? No, but what I mean is like, if you're really, like, why are, you know, why is the why dragonfly called a dragonfly? Why? Yeah, it's a, well, microphone makes sense, though. Dragonfly small, makes sense. It flies. But it's, it's not a dragon. It breathes fire. It does not you breathe fire. You haven't looked. I've seen it. It likes to be by water. So it doesn't breathe fire. Also, and it's put the its number water one up. predator of mosquitoes. Thank goodness. So do not kill the dragonflies. I love those dragonflies. Uh, my um, whitewater rafting guide told me that about twenty years ago. His name was Critter. Critter the whitewater rafting. <laughs> See, his name is Critter. That's all we have to say. <laughs> First of all, what's funny is I went rafting <laughs> in Washington with my brother. So I went whitewater rafting. In West Virginia uh-huh. 20 years ago. Uh-huh. And I still remember this guy's name because his name was Critter. It's easy to remember. <laughs> so I told the guide, so I just went away where I water rafting a few weeks ago in Washington with my brother. Uh-huh. And uh, his I was, name was Critter too? No, oh. but I was talking to the guy and he's like, well, where have you rafted? I'm like, oh, I did it in the Gauley uh, River in West Virginia. He's like, oh, that's a great, uh, great place to go rafting. And we started talking about different companies and I'm He's like, Ace Whitewater is one of the better ones out there. I'm like, oh, that's the one I did. And I had a guide, and his name was Critter. He's he didn't like, know him. I know Critter. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Critter is still doing this. Critter is making an impact. What are the odds of Critter listening to this podcast right it's now? It's very small, but I say kudos to Critter because... Kudos to Critter. <laughs> Because we're talking about him. He made an impact on you, and then he made an impact on this guy, and then you guys found a connection through him. So he's already done. Small world. It is a small world. From West Virginia to Washington. Mountain Mama. That's a John Denver song. Yes, it is. So campaign living. So uh, they make quality materials. Uh, You get your stuff in just a few days. Easy to assemble, which is good for me because it usually takes me three times as long as it's supposed to. Easy to remove covers so you can change the look of your home. Um, so here's, this is what I want you to do. Check out campaignliving.com to see the goods. We've got a special deal for all of you ZPR listeners. Save 75 bucks off of any sofa, love seat, or chair when you use the code ZEN, Z-E-N, at checkout. That's campaignliving.com. Use the coupon code ZEN to save 75 bucks off your order. Do you know who I'm envisioning? And this is so unfair because Mm. I don't know if this was what... You know, but just the name Critter, like, do you remember that character in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? The one who's got the truck who, yeah. like, sniffs. Name's Owen. <laughs> and he's got the wife who... Yeah, and she's, he, she's got a baby. And he makes her carry the luggage. He's like, leave it be. He's like, no, no, we've got it, we got it. She don't mind. She's short and skinny, but she's strong. First baby, come out sideways. She didn't scream or nothing. And, then- and Steve Martin's face is just... Beautiful, right as they pan to his face. Um, but it's the sniffing noise that he makes, which I yeah. kind of hope you don't imitate because it's pretty gross. Yeah, it's like a nasally. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, like hock suck. Yeah, and he's got a big chew in his mouth. <laughs> <sighs> gross. So anyway. Okay, so quick. Uh, here we go. What are we talking about now? Hey, Harry. Look at this. Oh. <laughs> What's the matter with these cans? Die, milk face. <laughs> These cans are defective. They're springing leaks. Come over here and look at this. Listen, you better run for cover. You're going to spring a leak. Huh? We don't have defective cans. We have a defective bison out there. He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. He hates these cans. So you want to go to Klansman or 8th grade? Well, let's go to 8th grade because I can kind of tie it into that last scene. What I love about... Should I play the trailer? Yes, but let me speak first. Okay, go ahead. What I love about him is that he has no idea that anyone could not like him. Oh, you're talking about Steve Martin? Yes. That's my point. Like, I'm trying to tie together. Yeah, and like he says that... Someone hates the cans yeah. and not him. Um, and there's all sorts of other scenes in that movie where he just has no, I mean, obviously it's a comedy. It's not a politically correct at all at this point, in, you know, 2018. So, but, at, you know, he just has a sense of um, self-love. Yeah. yeah. He, he just wants to be happy. Yes. There's more to come. I have a few more clips. Oh, good. So yeah, go ahead and play part of the trailer from eighth grade. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla back with another video. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard, and it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever, but I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Taylor Day. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like, really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. What? There we go. 
little sweetie. So I haven't seen it. So what's what's the deal with this movie? So it uh, I, it's like I have to go back to the night that I saw it because I was really um, I was really moved, and I'm very moved to even hear her voice again because. Because um, we all know her, or if we don't know her, then we are her, or she lives in all of us. And just to kind of give you an idea, since you couldn't see the trailer, while she's saying she's making a YouTube video, because she has a YouTube channel that nobody watches, um, and she's making that video saying you have to be yourself, is her getting up in the morning, going and looking at YouTube videos, putting a bunch of makeup on, and then laying back down and taking a picture of herself and saying, oh, I just woke up this way. Mm. So... She really want, and that doesn't mean she's fake. She sure. really wants to be herself, but she feels stuck in that in adolescent society's yeah. expectation. She just this girl who's in this movie is so such a good actress, and you don't even feel like she's acting. It feels like a documentary. Um, anybody else who's seen it, you know what I mean. It's even f- somewhat filmed like a documentary, but it is. It's you know it is acted. It is a screenplay. I think a guy named Bo Burnham wrote it and directed it. And so it's crazy to me that a man could tap into the truth about this you know girl's life so much. But it is about her experience with her father too. But this is what I'll say just to kind of sum it up. What I felt when I left was that she really empowered me. And I I felt, obviously during the movie, you feel the discomfort that she has. And she does have an innate discomfort. She is anxious. Um, Welcome she, to eighth grade. Right. But she's also a little socially awkward. Okay. You know, which we all are. But yeah. hers is a little more obvious and apparent. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't want to ruin anything or give anything away, but I don't think I will. She's so self-advocating. She, these things she's saying in these videos, like you really need to be yourself. She, that's her, right? That's who she is. But what she's been thrown into is a world where that almost feels impossible, mm. right? Cause we go to school and everybody acts a certain way and they do certain things and she just wants to fit in, you know, God bless America. She just wants to fit in, right. you know, isn't that what we all want? Like something that my sister and I always say is, you know, if you have one good friend, you're golden, yeah. right? And you know, if you have two or three good friends, you are golden, golden. But there's a lot of people who do end up, and I'm putting this in quotes, who maybe are more popular, who have huge groups of friends. And a lot of times we look at them and say, because they have more friends, they innately are more happy or are better than us in some way. But the truth is- It ain't real. It ain't real. From personal experience and also from the from girls I've worked with, sometimes the girls in the in the group of 20 girls are so lost. They really don't have a good friend in that group. Yeah. They're so spread out. They feel like they have to be, you know, talk with everyone, be on all the text exchanges, be on all the, you know, chats and and it's a lot of pressure. And so I guess my point is is what they do so beautifully in this movie is give you a bit of a perspective shift. Mm -hmm. And also when I, you know, I was saying to a friend of mine, like on Wednesday after I saw it, I was like, she reminded me, this girl in this movie, uh, to be self-advocating, to be like, you got to speak up for yourself. You have to, no matter who you are, there's no like... It's not like, well, I'll speak up for myself if I win this, or I'll speak up for myself if I'm on a team, or I'll speak... We kind of feel like we need these prerequisites to have a place in the world. There are no prerequisites necessary. All you need to be is you. Yet we as adults 
are just as guilty, if not Absolutely. more, than an eighth grader trying to fit in. Oh, they do a little bit of, uh, they do oh, a job on parents too oh, in this movie. Like there is a little bit of, you know, you see, there's a few parents that you're like, oh my gosh, I know that parent. Yep. So, you know, this isn't just about the kids, um, but it's also not a teenage movie where you're like, the parents are all dumb and yeah. the kids are all, you know, so, you know, enlightened. It's really much more reality. And so for all of you, especially if you have a child who, a daughter or a daughter who's going into eighth grade or a son for that matter, because there's a lot of things about boys in this too. There's a few scenes regarding boys that were pretty intense. Yeah. Um, but it's rated R, but only because of the F word. Mm -hmm. Like there was nothing, I mean, like I said, there were some intense scenes, but there's no nudity. There's no violence. Um, it's not like when it comes on to Netflix or whatever, or, you know, like, you know, Amazon, I'll let all the girls watch oh, really? it. Oh yeah. I mean, Skyler may not want to, but yeah. she's 11. She's going to be in middle school. Like yeah. this is not crazy for her to, and, and the thing is, is some of the information in the movie were like, what I think it's also helpful to parents is, you know, I get to teach sex ed all the time and talk to fifth graders and eighth graders all the time. So I'm very aware of what they know. But there's a lot of parents who may go see this movie who go, no, my kids don't know those things. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. I'm not saying they know they're educated about it. They may not have all the information they need. They're having to experience it. But they are talking about it. Yeah. And they are, it is a part of their vernacular. Like they are saying these words. They are doing, it was funny because last night, I was telling the girls about the movie because I really want them to go. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have to go with me, but I'd really like them to go because I think they'd really find a sense of um, resonance with it. Um, and I was kind of telling them some of the things in the movie and they knew exactly what these things were. They're like, oh, that's a vine or, yeah. oh, that's a, you know. I think I might have the vine, sweetie. Oh, my gosh. Play it. LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. So it's a seven-second vine yeah. of this boy just saying LeBron James. So you told the story last so night. I, so we watched this. This uh, So LeBron James is doing this new TV show on HBO, and Todd happened to – it's so funny how things like come to be. So Todd showed all of us the trailer to this thing that LeBron James is doing. I go, it's so funny to see LeBron James because – this movie eighth grade, there's these certain moments where everything is really quiet. And all of a sudden you hear a kid in the audience go, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. And the girls go, Oh, we know exactly what that is. That's this vine. And I, I just thought they like LeBron James. Yeah. It shows you the ignorance of us parents, not knowing like all did Skylar know too? No, because Cameron she and JC knew. But JC also said JC's now a sophomore in high school. She goes, "That was big when I was in seventh right. grade." Like, like it's all of a sudden, old. we as parents think that we know what's going on. <laughs> well, and Vine this is... doesn't even exist. Oh, it doesn't. No, Vine oh. and Musically are gone. Oh, they are. Yeah. So, like, you know, people will say that's a Vine. That just means almost like that's an old movie. Got it. You know, it's way back when. <laughs> so, but anyway, I will I will close by saying. Um, Go see eighth grade and um, support also this independent movie that's so beautifully made yeah. and gives this girl a voice without making her a stereotype. And but also realizing that some stereotypes, not necessarily about her, but other kids can be true sometimes. Yeah. Like stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. But at the same time, we need to kind of expand beyond that and realize it doesn't always have to be that way. So that's my big thing. Um, our other partner for this week is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's done 
basically everything in our house and many other people's house in Chicago area. Uh, avidco.net, 630-956-1800. Tell him that uh, Todd and Kathy sent you and that he's a bald-headed beauty. And then if you do it, if you get a chance, just give him a little sl- slight tap on his bald head. No, because that might be intruding his no, personal it's space. No, it's fine. It's fine. Go ahead. You know, it. we that it's reminding me of something that I just want to comment on really quick, which sure. has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Love it. I wanted to mention, just say John McCain's name. Oh yeah, and just acknowledge that somebody that Todd and I both respected a tremendous amount passed away, and that we all knew it was coming. We knew he was sick. He knew that this was coming. Um, he was 81 years old and I know it's, you know, our media is right now inundated with articles and memorials to him or, but I just really, acknowledge. Oh, I just really want to acknowledge because before, you know, this is going back in history, but I remember Todd and I, where we lived when it became McCain, Obama, mm-hmm. that they were going to, you know, go against each other in the presidential election. And we, we were confused because we loved John McCain yeah. and we were like, if there was anybody um, I will say specifically from the Republican Party that I was like, I'd really trust this man and I honor this man. We were like, oh, um, this is going to be hard. Now, obviously, you know, we ended up being big fans of Obama, but I, I just wanted to say that there are, he's like a perfect example to me of how if on both sides, you know, meaning like Republicans and Democrats, if you, if you go about your work with integrity and decency and a sense of honor for yourself and other people, it doesn't matter what political party you are. You know what I mean? Like we are so partisan now, but the truth is, even though I didn't agree with him on a lot of his choices or politics, I respected that man. You want to know when I respected him? I mean, I respected him before. I know. I know what you're going to play. I can't trust Obama. I I, I have read about him and he's not, he's not, he's a, um, he's an Arab. He is not... No, no, ma'am. no, ma'am, no, ma'am. He's a, he's a, he's a decent family man, citizen that I just happen to have disagreements with on on fundamental issues, and that's what this campaign is all about. He's- and I would say that to me was exactly why we loved him from the beginning. Yeah, that he, and I'm sure you guys all remember that moment. But that's John McCain would never allow someone to speak about someone that he respects that way. Yeah. And he basically politely took the mic and did not want this woman to have a platform of spewing out what what were these lies and these misguided notions. He could probably feel in the audience, this is not going the direction I want it to go. And I, a show that I always talked, or I don't anymore, but when it first came out that I talked about all the time was uh, Game Change, which was an HBO show about John McCain and Sarah Palin, Julianne Moore and Ed Harris played them. And they kind of show the progression of that moment and how John McCain took that moment back. But then it's too late. Uh, it was too late when they started. And I'm not saying it was his fault. Because he was he was losing. He was. And then he decided to quit listening to the people who were instructing him and became more authentic, did what felt right. 
And this moment is a wonderful example of that. But Sarah Palin didn't always do that. Right, she right. riled up a different base. Sure. And then he started to notice, you see in this movie, yeah. how he would go do town halls or do these outdoor things and people would get really, yeah. it was a primer for what was yet to come. So let's not go there. Okay. I just wanted to at least yes, acknowledge, acknowledge and, John McCain and, and what's say- what's cool is listening back to old podcasts mm-hmm. and you're like, you just, you know, somebody will be listening to this in 2000. 2020. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll hear, oh, John McCain, that's right. Like, it's just a mm-hmm. wonderful way to remember, because we all remember him today, because we all have the news on and we see all these memorials. But it's just a nice reminder after you've since forgotten what an incredible man he was. Exactly. And part of his legacy is, do you know, I, I think you guys know this, but that Joe Biden was one of his best friends. Did you know that he and Hillary Clinton had a really, really lovely relationship? Mm-hmm. Did you know that Joe Lieberman was one of his best friends? You guys probably know that he wanted him to be his running mate. Um, he reached across the aisle all yeah. the time. And John Kerry, he and John Kerry had this whole, like, we watched Meet the Press on Sunday. They had this whole, like, kind of difficult history because they had both gone to Vietnam and Kerry came home and said he was against the war. But they found common ground right. and worked together to help veterans. So this is a man that's not going to be easily replaced, but he is another role model for me yeah. um, of what we can be. Because when people say this is impossible... John McCain did it. There you go. Um, one more clip. Uh, maybe a few more clips. We'll see. I'm hitchhiking. How far are you going? St. Louis, how far are you going? To the end of this fence. Okay. I'm David Johnson. What's your name, sir? Here we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to the end of this fence. <laughs> Okay. So, I lo- and his family's looking out the, yeah, the door yeah, <laughs> watching him go down the street. Um, so we saw, we had a Saturday evening mm-hmm. where the girls didn't want to participate in any movie watching. So we got to decide. Yeah. And I didn't even read the Rolling Stone article about Black Klansmen, but I think I saw somewhere like Spike Lee just may have made the movie of the year. Mm. And what I can't stand is when I spend my $11 to go to the movie and you know, babysitters and you end up watching a clunker. I just knew that this was going to be good. Mm-hmm. And, and what's also interesting is that sometimes, um, when a movie's new, it's more exciting. Whereas like maybe a year from now it, it's old, it's fatigued, mm-hmm. but now it's brand new. So we watched this movie and should we play the, the quick cl- sure. uh, Let me explain what the movie is. Uh, Ron's is based on a true story, Correct. which I missed at the beginning credits, as my sweetie helped me remember. Uh-huh. Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado, successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan with the help of a white surrogate who eventually becomes head of the local branch. So here's just a 20 seconds from the trailer, Black Klansman, directed by Spike Lee. Hello. This is Ron Stallworth calling. Who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God. Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish, Italians, and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. 
There we go. So the person who's saying that is Ron Stallworth. And what's funny about that scene, if you see the trailer, is he's saying all that into his phone and there's all these other cops in the room and they all turn around like, who's he talking to? And then they also comment and they say, did you just use your real name with him? Because like he didn't, he wasn't really thinking about what he was doing. So the fact that this... I almost wish I could rewatch this movie for the first time knowing it was a true story. And like I said, t- I totally blew it. It showed it on big print, but it was just so unbelievable. My brain just kind of went towards, there's no way that this is true. Mm-hmm. And it was. Mm-hmm. And it's just a wonder, once again, like this is proximity. This is, you know, I'm trying to... It's history. It's history. I'm trying to do my personal part to, um, you know try my best to bring equality to this world. And one of the ways to do that is to look at this ugly part of our history and our present day mm-hmm. and to expose it. And I put on my on my Facebook saying, do yourself a favor and go watch this movie. Well, it's funny. I said that to Todd afterwards because something that, well, I don't want to ruin the end for you. There's They share a lot of current events yes. at the end of the movie. And, um, I, obviously it's very upsetting and there's always part of me that when I get upset or super uncomfortable, I will say to myself, why am I exposing myself to this? And this is one of those things where I said right away, because I have to, like, there are some things like I don't have to watch NCIS and I don't have to watch, uh, the most, the horror movies that are out there. And I don't even need to watch the nightly news every night because it's not always the truth about everything that happened during the day, meaning that it's an exaggerated version of the day. But this is history, you know, and this really... You can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. And you have to be able to to be willing to learn it. Like I, you know... to look at it. To look at it. It's funny because... uh, Well, not funny at all, but, you know, Brian Stevenson created this new... um, Memorial? Memorial, yeah, in Alabama. um, Or is it in Mississippi? I don't remember. Wherever his office, the Equal Justice Initiative is, I know it's in his state, but, you know, there was a lot of comments that, you know, after the 60 Minutes thing aired where I was reading where people are like, why are we, you know, this is so overwhelming and this is a horrible, who's going to, you know, why are we doing this? And... You know, I feel like we talk about this all the time, but if you don't acknowledge history, then we repeat it. And sometimes even acknowledged we repeat it. But we have to be willing to look at what we did. Well, and, and Brian Stevenson, when we saw him speak at Evanston yeah, High School, yeah. he talked about how the Germans, there's a lot of uh, reminders yep. of what happened in World War II. Yeah. So they're not trying to like sweep it under the rug. Right. They think it's an essential part of the healing process. And in Rwanda, you know, like the, you know, the, or South Africa, I should mm-hmm. say, um, where there was, you know, after the genocide, after all the horribleness, actually I'm mixing up two things. Yeah. I'm mixing up Rwanda and I'm missing up South Africa. Sure. But it was the same kind of belief system of that we have to talk about this. We have to come together and we have to acknowledge. And in Rwanda was where they actually did, what was it called? There's a word for it that I'm forgetting. Reparation? Yes, reparation, where you actually had to ask for forgiveness mm-hmm. and acknowledge what you have done in front of family members that maybe you... Yeah. You know, hurt it's the or only way to heal through anything. Exactly. You, if you pretend it doesn't ex- exist, it's going to show up in a different way. Right. And this country has a long way to go in that regard. Right. Because we're still doing... Th- and again, I know that this can be a touchy subject for people, but again, I'm willing to have this conversation, you know, about things around monuments. 
you know, and I know people say it's a part of our history, but were those monuments on the right side of history? Because why are we memorializing and putting up? And again, I understand why we did it historically. If you guys read about why we put these monuments up, it was to be, to say to African-American people, we still believe this way. Do you know what I mean? And there are many people who are like, no, no, no. Read the history of why these monuments were put up. They're actually, actually, I've got a very simple thing for you guys to uh, listen to. Um, Oprah, about two or three weeks ago, interviewed the mayor of Louisiana, of not of Louisiana, that's a state, of um, New Orleans. And he is an outgoing mayor um, now, but he had been mayor forever. And he basically was the person who finally got the monuments taken down in like their center square. And that process alone is a story. But what he, he actually, he tells a story that the reason he was like, he always considered it and thought about it. Mm -hmm. But Wynton Marcellus actually came to him and said, do you understand the history of these monuments? And he started reading and educating himself. And he's like, we can't have these monuments in our community. Well, and this is, um, I'm sure you probably know this because you've been reading a lot about Mm -hmm. it, but Chuck Schumer is proposing to rename the uh, Russell Senate office building after John John McCain. McCain. Yeah. And what I also found out was that the building is currently named for Senator Richard Brevard Russell Jr., a Democrat from Georgia who served from 1933 to 71. A statue of the senator also stands in the Russell Building Rotunda. Russell, however, was a leader of Southern opposition to the civil rights movement and an ardent supporter of segregation for decades. He was a segregationist, yeah. So, you know, who do you... Who do you want to name a building after? This guy who stood for probably a lot of things, but if one of the things he stood for was segregation or John McCain who... Reached across the aisle and yes. who was, you know... And again, he may not have a perfect record either. Yeah. I can't, that's no. the thing that's so interesting is I can't sit here and go, we John are McCain. complicated human beings. We are. Uh, you know, I don't know people's voting record or their history, but what I... Or everybody's history. But what I will say is that maybe then with the way that our society and culture was go- progressing or maybe that was the best we could do then. Yeah. I And again, I it's hard to know the history of why that building was named what it was named. But once, you know, it's Maya Angelou, once we know better, we do better. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we're so afraid of the change versus just recognizing, you know, how does an African-American child feel when they're walking to school and they pass Robert E. Lee? Yeah. You know, what what does that feel like? And we may say, well, that doesn't that doesn't burden me, but it burdens him or her or your next door neighbor or your brother or your sister. And and that's to you know, the thing is, is it's just isn't there anything else we can put up that's more inclusive and reminds us of our best selves? And again, I think there would still be a lot of people who push back on me and say, you, you know. I, I don't know what they would say. It's fine. But I think the more educated we become about our history, again, th- you know. At least not pretending that it didn't happen. Right. And that's what this movie gives you some insight. Like a lot of people, uh, you know, David Duke is still around. Oh, sure. And this is the young David Duke in this movie. Um, and he, I think that was Toby Maguire as David Duke. Isn't uh, that interesting? I don't think it was Toby Maguire. I think it was somebody else that may look like him. No, I think it was Toby Maguire. Really? Yes. All right, look it up. Yeah, look, I will. So as you're looking it up, you know, I have some wonderful friends in my in my men's circle, and I have a certain one who I've talked about this on, about this on the podcast. His name is Eric Treese. And, um, <clears throat> you know, most of the 
you know, the place I live is predominantly white. I think a lot of our listeners are um, predominantly Caucasian and I'm, I'm trying to do my best to expand and get more uh, varying backgrounds of people in my life and in my world. And maybe I can use this podcast as a gesture of, of inviting anybody. Uh, we, have, we have a few men of color in my tribe men's group, but I just want to say um, if there's any um, men of color that are, in, that are interested in joining a men's group in the Western suburbs of Chicago, please email me because um, I'm just trying to get creative on how to expand my outreach. So I just wanted to say that. So Todd, you were right. It's Topher Grace. Told you. You were right. What else is new, sweetie? I know. Usually this is, you know what this is? It's your second time because- Second time in 16 years. Austin Powers when I got uh, Selma Hayek wrong. Yes, you thought it was Selma Hayek and it was the (sighs) the girl from the movie called Summer School. I don't like to give you- Which is one of my favorite movies, Summer School, sweetie. Yes, I know. I don't like to give you these opportunities to say that. And I'm now wrong. we have a document. I know. Sweet. I can't even pretend it didn't happen. It was Topher Grace. And you know what? I I knew you're going to say, yeah, whatever. But I totally know who he is. And I'm calling him by the wrong name because I need the mom tra- translator. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't really think it was Tobey Maguire's Spider Man guy. Mm. I just said the wrong name Jim Crawdaddy. Jim Crawdaddy. I totally. Joe Geronimo. Joe Geronimo. Okay. Anything else you want to say about this? Um, just that that's a good movie to go see too. Uh, obviously, in uh, you know, for all the things that we just said, but it's not really a movie. There's a lot of language in it. Obviously, there um, is some violence and some scary things in it. We didn't take the kids to that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sure. My yeah. older daughter, I would be yeah, fine with take her JC, seeing it. But yeah, maybe um, Cameron, but not Skyler. Maybe. Uh, it's rated R, obviously. I right? think it is. F yeah. bombs all over the place. Yeah, a lot of and and also the, all and, the racial and words everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but Spike Lee, yeah. good. Spike Lee is quite the. Uh, yeah. He's quite he, the he filmmaker. He knocked it out of the park. Yeah. So go see it. So before we do our interview with uh, Doctor Devorah Heitner, I do wanted to acknowledge a few Zen friends, and a Zen friend is somebody who helps. Uh, other moms and dads who don't have the financial means to join us at the conference in 2019, they give a little bit extra. And it's important that Kathy and I acknowledge who these people are that uh, donate to the Zen Friend charity, charitable cause for the conference. And those names are, are you ready, sweetie? Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me find my drum, my drum roll. Where is it? There it is. Uh, oh, I got to turn my sound up if I'm going to do that. Millie She, Elizabeth Buswick, Manisha Lozier, uh, Jennifer Rocco, and Peg Jividen. I know all those people. Yes, we do. So thank I, you, everybody. Yes, thank you to. So Sam again, Millie, Millie, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Manisha, Liz, Manisha, Jennifer, Jennifer, and Peg, and the Pog of Bears. That's my aunt. Thank you, everybody. Um, and then I want to give a quick plug to Team Zen. So Team Zen is kind of like an insider's club to ZPR. Uh, we have bonus content, behind-the-scenes footage, support. Uh, we do it twice a month. Uh, it's a virtual um, kind of a group coaching session. Kathy and I are part of it. Um, uh, moms and dads uh, are part of it, and they say, I'm struggling with this. Do you have any advice? We do that twice a month. There's archived Zen Talks. Uh, we have a Team Zen Facebook page, which is very active right now. Um, so I just wanted to say that 
Uh, Team Zen is kind of the engine that runs the podcast. It kind of gives us the ability to do a lot of different things. So if you get value out of ZPR and you want to join us for some more uh, intimate op- opportunities for self-awareness, we would love to have you. So just go to our website and find the Team Zen link. So, And then lastly, we do have some iTunes reviews, my darling. Uh, we got something from Jayhawk1995. And then we also got something from... what? Well, what did they say? You're not um, Well, it's... Are they just too long? Well, it's... I get off track, but when I finally find the time to listen, it seems like you're speaking to me. Just mm, me. Good. Yet somehow I realized by the end of the podcast that there's a whole tribe available to me also. Yes, truth. Um, me125 says that she loves it. And Ronell T from New Zealand, sweetheart. New Zealand. Uh, says thank you. She says she's pretty good at, I assume it's a she, maybe it's a Ronell. I don't know that. that I name. think it's a woman's name, yeah. I was pretty good at self-awareness, but didn't know how to change my thinking and actions. This podcast has inspired me and taught me new ways of thinking and being, which means a happier me and happier kids. Nice. So thanks to all the people through that are Team Zen members, that uh, donate to Zen Friend, that give us reviews, that... Um, look at the products that we uh, push, like Campaign Living, um, those that come to our conference. And that's what I'll say as we lead into Devorah here. Um, 2019 conference, um, Get Your Brave On is our theme. We have Glennon Doyle, we have Abby Wambach, we have Julia Lithcott-Hames, and we have Devorah Heitner. And so this is Devorah giving us some good information that I think you will all appreciate. So... All right, so let's jump in. So I'm going to welcome an expert guest slash friend slash conference speaker slash amazing woman. Yes. Uh, her name is Devorah Heitner. And um, this is a quick question that one of our listeners asked me on Facebook last week. Uh, actually, she was a Zen, uh, Team Zen person, Millie, Millie She, mm-hmm. who is a good friend of ours. And she had a question. And I thought it'd be nice instead of me stumbling my way through the answer or you stumbling the way through your answer, I, we brought an expert in. So Devorah, say hello to the Zen parenting family. Hello, Zen parenting family. So um, let's just jump. Oh, by the way, Devorah, she, we've had her on the podcast before. She wrote a book called screen wise, helping kids thrive and survive uh, in their digital world. So that's who Devorah is. And I'll include the, the interview that we did with Devorah, in the show notes, just for those of you who might be interested. But this is the question from Millie. Here we go. I wonder if any of you who are already dealing with kids who have cell phones can give me some advice. Our daughter's 11 and a half and just started sixth grade. We live in Silicon Valley where it seems like even toddlers have some sort of smart device. Not saying it's right, but it's probably more the norm that a middle schooler has a phone than not. It doesn't help that most of her best friends have phones. She's been begging for a phone for at least a year. We've managed to put it off so far. I totally understand that for girls, texting is their major way of connecting, just like I used to be on the telephone for hours of my girlfriends. So I'm wondering if anyone has any clever ideas of how I can give her some of the capabilities that she desires without going full out with an expensive smartphone. She wants to, number one, call and text her friends, Number two, watch YouTube videos. Three, be able to surf the internet. Four, be able to use a few apps. And five, take pictures and videos plus iMovie. Uh, And she goes on and says a few other things. But I want to first just jump in with you, Devorah. I'm sure you get a question like this a lot. And I'm just wondering what your two cents are. Sure. Well, it is a big deal to launch your kids with a smartphone 
in, in many ways because it does so many things, right? It does a lot more than just make calls and text. And yet your child already has an iPad, so she's already presumably got access to some of these things. And hopefully your mentoring at home, like YouTube can be amazing, but it can also be unfortunately a cesspool of nastiness. So hopefully, you know, the YouTube videos is, is something she's doing with some guidance and you're thinking if she's posting to YouTube, that's something you especially want to be really aware of and hopefully have some editorial conversations that she's not just out there like with a channel. So, you know, we hope our kids aren't famous without us knowing. And things like texting take more mentorship than we think. I mean, texting is such a simple form of communication, but it's really great to have conversations with kids about what kinds of things do we text about? What do we need to talk face to face about? And especially if something upsetting comes through to us via text, it's really good to know, hey, you need to go to the friend and say, we need to talk as opposed to trying to resolve it on text. Because once things go off the rails in a text, it's almost impossible to pull it back into a good sunny place via text even i mean i think we all know that even if you text your spouse and once things go off the rails it's like then we have to talk it out mm -hmm. it's really really hard to just kind of you know using that kind of shorthand with so little context so little emotional inflection so if your daughter wants to text and already has a device where she's texting at home that would be a great place to start right if you're if she's using a family tablet or a personal tablet to talk about how's that going what are some times when she might want to text when she's out in the world? If you're giving her more independence, if she's walking home from school, using transportation, if she has a different schedule, most kids have different activities every day. And so maybe there's some ways she'd like to be able to update you. Hey, I'm going to the library or soccer practice got moved or something else is happening. So you could certainly get her a flip phone. I'm sure somewhere buried in the bowels of Silicon Valley where you are, you could find one. You'd probably have to order it. I'm not sure. Um, but know that she'd be actually on the bleeding edge in some ways because people in Silicon Valley are looking to strip down phones from some of their capabilities mm -hmm. because there are folks there who are worried that our minds are being hijacked and that our phones are too colorful and shiny and distracting. And so there are actually really high-end stripped-down phones now that are smartphones that do less, that have black and white screens, <laughs> that block a lot of apps, and they're like $700. So you could go the other way and get a really simple flip uh, or a more simple smartphone, or you could use a, a plan that restricts certain things. Most of us want our kids to be able to call us if they're in a jam, but maybe she doesn't need full capabilities to surf the internet, you know, all day long at school. Maybe if she is going to surf, that's something she could do in her free time at home. So these are all conversations that I have with parents in my PhoneWise bootcamp, which is all about launching new phone users and What's great about that is that parents come together to share some of these tips and tricks, whether it's I gave my kid a flip phone or we got a smartphone, but at first we kept it at home and she actually just used it you know, with, with some supervision. I always also wanna caution parents about using covert methods to know what your kids are doing. So if you do get them a phone, at some point they are gonna make mistakes. Things are going to go wrong, but it's better to be openly in conversation with your kids about the ways you're supervising their use of the device. So, you know, look in their room at night and make sure they're not up all night on their phone as opposed to, you know, tracking them covertly. If you are going to use one of those handy parenting, you know, sort of spy apps, I would let your kids know you're doing it and also let them know what you're looking for. Like, I'm looking to make sure you're not using this during the school day when you shouldn't be. I'm looking to be sure that the language that you and your friends you know, is, are using together is kind and appropriate, right? We don't wanna surprise our kids with any gotchas. It's not about catching them you know, doing things they shouldn't. 
something will inevitably go wrong. And that doesn't mean getting your child a phone was a complete mistake. At some point, they will get into a text messaging group, group conversation that maybe veers in a bad direction, or they'll do something else that you don't like. And that's just an opportunity, right, to talk it through and figure out how it could go better next time. We are giving kids these really powerful devices mm -hmm. at a time when their, their judgment is at kind of an all-time low, right? <laughs> Middle school is not when most of us would look back and say, oh, the choices I made then were so perfect, and I would love to be identified with those choices for the rest of my life. So we, gotta, we don't want to cut our kids slack in the sense of ignoring their, their choices, but we also don't need to think that middle schoolers making one or two or even three really you know, dumb mistakes means that they're on a, on a bad lifetime path. Is actually a great time to experiment, make mistakes, do things we feel bad about and learn from them because we're going to go on from that. And that's the challenge is doing it in the age of smartphones where some of that's going to be recorded and shared or we might find out about it from one of their friends, parents or something like that. And there might be like a handy image to go with it, which is just all the more, you know, burning, painful mm -hmm. embarrassment. Uh, but your kid wants to do the right thing. She wants to have you in her corner. She's, she has waited. If you're in Silicon Valley, she's waited. I'm sure some of her friends ha did have phones in third grade, so she's probably not making that up. And the more you can make, make whatever she's doing with her phone and the time that she has access with her, with, to her phone, something that you're talking about, that you're even able to joke about and laugh about some of the funny things that can come up when we communicate with friends, the better you'll be. Now, some parents like to have a contract with their kids about the ways and times they'll use a phone. I think that can be a great way to go. I would, I would keep it simple and really focus mm -hmm. on your really most important things, but also let her know that that's not, you know, just because she didn't find it in the letter of the contract, obviously, that, that doesn't mean you can do something else that's unkind, right, that we didn't write down. But I would, I would definitely keep any written agree agreement you make with a sixth grader short and sweet and to the point and probably collaboratively written. Yeah. So that's my, that's my big advice for you. <laughs> I wish you a lot of luck this year and keep, keep talking with the other parents in your community too, because you're going to want to be uh, their allies, you know, in nurturing these kids. Yeah. Well, that's a lot to unpack. Um, a few uh, quick responses. Um, so when um, one thing is uh, the spy app, like we have a circle in our house that doesn't really work that well. A circle is a device. I think Disney sells it and it just, kind of tracks um, how much YouTube time, how much Netflix time. That's, when you said spy app, I don't even know what that means. Is that, is, is a circle yeah, like a spy app? I would app? say a spy app would be more like if you're reading their texts, that kind of thing. So, uh, mm -hmm. so what's nice about circle, especially for families like yours with more than one kid, is it gives you all data on how you're using, including you guys, the adults, right? It's giving you data about how you're using your devices, which I think we can all learn from that data. There's a new Pew study that came out last week that says both adults and teens are wanting to limit our digital time. So I think anything that's, that's giving us that information, whether it's an app on your phone, like my phone tells me, you know, how, how many minutes I've done certain things, and most, uh, a lot of smartphones do that. That's really great to know. Uh, and the circle also, you can shut kids out of certain apps at certain times. So I wouldn't consider that to be spying. I would consider that more of a regulatory app. I still will say anything regulatory or sort of spy where you're reading their stuff. Again, they should know you're using it and why you're using it. And the focus shouldn't be about controlling them via the app. I mean, I know there are parents who do use circle and other regulatory apps and they just love like, I can shut you down, but you don't want to be too kind of wicked witch of the West about that. Um, you know, I would, 
you know, how would you feel if you were in the middle of working on something and someone just randomly shut you down? Right? I would, I would again, have the conversation about why we're shutting down and sleep hygiene and, you know, helping kids use it to build regulation and know that soon enough, they're going to be in a college dorm and no one is going to shut them down. So if they don't learn to self-regulate at all, and we're really using external apps, whether it's to regulate or to keep their language and, and, and uh, relationships on the up and up, know that that what we want is for them ultimately to learn to self-regulate. You know, you can't text and drive in front of your kids and then expect them to think that it's a bad idea or stay up all night watching Netflix and then wonder why they're doing it, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, and I say this, I've, I've been bleary-eyed some mornings where I double episoded, <laughs> you know, we all um, but to talk to my kid and say, wow, I really regret that. <laughs> now mm -hmm. my day isn't as good as it should have been. Mm -hmm. um, I like your other ideas because we did the contract for our daughters when they mm -hmm. got their smartphone. But and I think you took a template that you found on the Internet, Kathy, and then you modified I it, altered it to mm -hmm. make it your own. But I love the because I think it was ours was like a page long or maybe a page and a half. And let me say that a contract for us and I think you would probably agree with this, Deborah, it's it's for both sides. So we can be clear about our expectations because sometimes we give our kids screens before we even know what what we are hoping for. And again, hoping for meaning what what do we expect from them and what are our concerns i feel like it's both sided we get to have this conversation and also super important because this has happened my when we did the contract with my oldest she was what going into sixth grade so she's about 11 or 12 and now she's 15. so things have changed and we had to yeah you have to like consider you have to you know it's not like remember that contract from when you were 11 it's like she's 15. she's got a different life and she has learned to be I love what you were just saying, self-regulating. I mean, I'm not an idiot. I know there's times that I'm sure she's not. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, as far as what we see in the home, she's pretty cool about it. You know, um, it's not like this crazy argument we always have. So I feel like the contract goes both ways. It helps the parents set up their expectation and then also communicate it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And asking kids what they think the rules should be. And in sixth grade and seventh grade, to they should know that they can use you as an excuse to also put some boundaries with their friends like if things are going south in a negative conversation or their friend is just texting them way too much it's really great to be able to say, you know my, my parents are really going to be mad if i am texting this late so i have to go right mm -hmm. and as kids get older they're not going to use you as an excuse because it would just wouldn't be cool like in eighth or ninth grade you probably wouldn't say that but in sixth grade or even fifth grade and some kids are getting phones that young it's really great to just be able to say, you know what, my dad looks at my phone. So if you keep using that word, I'm going to get in trouble. And so it's a really good reminder. And it's good for your children to know that somebody else's parents might be looking as well. And that's a good audience to remember. I think, you know, often we want to threaten our kids with like, you won't get into Princeton. And, you know, A, that's probably not true. Like using bad words and text messages will not keep you out of a fancy college. Right. <laughs> Otherwise there'd be nobody at those schools. <laughs> right. But also... Uh, what we want is the more immediate, like every sixth grader wants the friend's parents to think well of them. They want to be invited for another sleepover or pizza dinner, right? And so to just say, you know what, not only do I might look at your text sometimes and I want to feel like it represents you po positively and like the nice kid I know you are, but also some moms and dads might be looking really extensively. Like there may be kids who read every text their kid gets and maybe we don't feel like we need to do that, but you should know that some of your friend's parents may be doing that. And mm -hmm. so think twice before you, you know, drop bad language or say not nice things because that's an audience you might not be thinking about and that's a good reminder to kids that's more realistic than trying to threaten them with some future consequences hard to even yeah. imagine when you're 11. 
So um, that's all awesome information. And it's funny, like I'm basically asking you an open-ended question of how do you manage technology with kids, which is a, you know, layers, layers and layers and layers. So I know that we're just scraping the surface. So I want to thank you, Devorah, for doing your best to kind of keep that concise. But you have this phone wise boot camp. Can you uh, just in case our, some of our listeners might be interested in that? What is it and how do they go about signing up for it? Sure. So PhoneWise Bootcamp is an online class through a, 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 an interactive site called Teachable. And there's like videos of me talking. And then there's also an interactive Facebook group. And there's things you can read. There's model contracts. And then people have created their own. And it starts from the conversations that you might want to have even before you get your kid a phone, but a lot of people have done it after. <laughs> so, cause most people don't even realize what a big deal it is. And I love that it's a four week class because a lot of people just, you know, they hand over the phone and it's like one and done. And four weeks is actually not even that much to think about this issue truly. But it's, you know, it's not a huge commitment cause I get that parents are busy, but it's a you could spend as much as a couple hours each of those weeks looking at the material. But I think there are some people who fast tracked it and they still, told me they got a lot out of it. And I, I think truly seeing other parents struggle and work through these questions mm -hmm. is one of the most crucial things that we can do. And you can do that in your own community too, is just reach out to parents or if your kids have cousins who are a little older, you know, talk to your siblings about how did it go? What do you wish you'd known? What's one thing you wish you'd done differently maybe would be a fair question. And I think parents need to also try to not judge each other around these issues as much as possible. We don't know why someone may have gotten their kids a phone younger than our child. It's tough to live in a community where people's ideas about these things are so different, mm -hmm. but as much as possible, we want to really live in a place of openness and communication with other parents because you never know when you might need to reach out to those people to keep all the kids safe. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it can be hard though. It can be really hard not to wish people did things differently because it does affect your kids too. It does. And you know, this is the, these things that Devorah is saying, it's the reason that Todd and I love her book and loved having her on the show. And the reason we have her at the conference is because, you know, to be a part of Devorah's group and her, part of her community, she doesn't, your focus is never on fear and your focus is always on communication which mo a lot, not most, a lot of parents I talk to, they go into this experience with screens with so much fear already ready for the other shoe to drop. Like you said, going in with the spy gear, convincing themselves, spy gear, is that what it's called? Spy apps, convincing themselves that if they don't watch, then all hell's going to break loose. And there's such like an intensity right off the bat that you know, before you get your child a phone, or if you've already gotten your child a phone and you're needing some support to go into it with a totally different energy of this is actually an opportunity to get to know my kid better, to get to understand my technology needs and, you know, addictions a little better. And it's also a, another way I can, um, you know, be a partner with my child on this and help and guide them so they can use as technology. opposed to the author to you being a, a, a an authority and another thing that you have to be afraid of yeah, and you're then trying overpower. to catch them and all that yeah so i love your your message i always have you i always feel so calm when you talk <laughs> which is not an easy thing Thank to you. do because it's social media it's technology like this is a built-in anxious topic it is and you know deborah that and i know uh you know we're closing here, but the one thing that I'm sure 
maybe a lot of parents going into this don't know, and you already commented on this. You said, talk to them about what they want. But what my girls have taught me is that texting is through Snapchat and that everything they want to watch is on YouTube. And these are things, you know, I used to be very focused on, I mean, they watch Netflix and everything, but we're, we're always like a step behind as yep. adults. And, you know, my, my daughter was just showing me one of her YouTubers the other day, David Dobrik, who I'm sure you know, he's got 15 million followers. <laughs> I mean, 15, that's almost more than, I was like, what? She goes, oh, everybody knows him. So like letting them teach you these things, right? Yeah, show, have them show you the things that they admire and what, what's fun and cool about it. Because Snapchat's really fun. And it doesn't mean that we as parents necessarily need to sort of take it over because we already kind of like rained on Facebook and that's why oh. they don't want to be there. But it's really cool to see what they can do and the ways that they're using it. And it's also when they want to be on social media, they want to be with their friends. Some kids may need help modulating that, but it's not an antisocial impulse. It's a pro-social impulse. And it's just about how can we help it not be, you know, a place where there's negativity or body image pressure or other stuff. So, I mean, yes, it, I don't want to say to parents, there's nothing to worry about because that would be unfair. And I think some you know, often I feel like some parents need to worry a little more and then yeah. other parents should probably worry a little less. If <laughs> We could all come to that happy medium place of, you do want to be aware of what's out there and some of the pressures on kids that can be negative, but also recognize that many, many kids do get to a point, certainly by high school, of regulating quite well mm -hmm. and also being able to kind of let go of the stuff that's icky, you know, internet trolls, ugh, whatever, you know, I don't need to, follow. if someone's negative, I'm going to unfollow. A lot of kids get really good at that. Yeah. Well, and as we close out, um, just just as me admitting my own ignorance, like, you know, if Millie's the one who wrote this in and forget about Millie, let's say it's some parent that's like, you know what, you could have your phone just to text your friends, but no apps, no blah, 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 blah. And just when Kathy said that, that our daughters use Snapchat to text their friends, I didn't know that. Really? Like, I thought they were still texting each other the way I text you. Mm -hmm. So the reason I say that is it's important for us, me, to keep up to speed on what's going on. And it's just, I, it's some of it's just complacency, but it's also not easy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we have to ask the question. We have to, you know, that's kind of, I like the way our work blends, um, Devorah, because that's what Todd and I always try and focus on with parents is have a relationship with your kids rather than be the authority figure that looms over them. And if you have that relationship, then your work is such a perfect match because then you can ask your kids. My kids aren't afraid to tell me what they're doing on tech because they know it's not going to be like, then I'm going to say that I'm taking it away. They trust that they can tell me things. So I think that's a key that communication is so important. Absolutely. And ask them what they like about it and what they don't like. What would they change about Snapchat's messaging feature if they could? It's also a great way to get them thinking critically is to get them to sort of you know, weigh in on, and then you'll know their discernment, you'll know what they don't like. So it's, it, and, and ultimately it all comes back to, we're using these devices for the most part to communicate about who we are and to connect with other people. So it still has to be this very human conversation. And a lot of times what goes wrong with tech and kids is actually really interpersonal stuff um, or identity stuff. So that's where we need to help them. And we need to trust our own wisdom that we've had friendships and we've also had relationships and and friendships you know go go wrong or things like that so we and conflicts and some of them we've resolved and some more maybe unresolvable yeah. we maybe changed friend groups so we have the experience to help our kids with this stuff it's just playing out and on a different field or in a different medium 
but it's not so new. The ways that our kids are trying to express their identities, connect with friends, be cool, or decide they don't care about being cool, all of that is very familiar. Yeah. So I think we need to not over mystify it as well. But I, but I also agree with you, Todd, about, you know, we want to keep up and, but, but I don't think we need to feel like we have to be ahead of them. It's okay mm-hmm. for them to know some things we don't yeah. and to be confident that we also know some things that they don't. Correct. Well, and I would say that even if I wanted to be ahead of them, I think it would be very difficult <laughs> for me to, and I think of but myself- But in the social emotional, you are. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. But as far as the technology and what's cool and what people are using, that's a whole different story. So um, Devora, I wanted to say thank you for taking the time to help our audience with this really tricky subject. Kathy and I are both super excited that you're going to be sharing the stage with Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach and Julie Lithcott Ames. So we're just super excited to have you in March at our conference. Yeah. I'm super excited too. I'm really looking forward to it and it'll be great to see you guys again. Yes. So we'll put the links to the boot camp and to Devorah's book and website in the show notes of this. So um, Devorah, thank you very much and we'll be in touch soon. Have a great day. Adios. Thanks Devorah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones. Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person by phone, FaceTime, you choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 unplug connect and transform retreat more more on that later special thanks to our founding partner jeremy craft from avid painting and remodeling thanks for your love and support jeremy sweetie he's a bald head of beauty i know this all right everybody keep trucking see you next week adios